Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Oslo.com NFL Showdown Strategy Show. I'm Dave Lockran. Joining me every Monday, Matt Gajeski. We're here to talk about a little Rams and Bears action. But before we do, happy to have everyone with us. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend so far. Hopefully some of you made some real money. As far as I know, and Jordan Klein told me, he confirmed this for me, that uh before we got started, I wanted to make sure of this, but it appears that the Millie Maker on DraftKings is an awesome sub. Jordan, nod your head yes if that's true. Uh, second place was also an awesome sub. And apparently, the, the, the Millie Maker winner on FanDuel was also a sub to awesome. Crazy stuff happening in the world of football week seven, Matt. And we're here to break down the last game of the week. How are we doing, man? Uh, unfortunately, I did not win the Millie. I, I wish it had <laughs> been me. But I still had a fantastic weekend. And, dude, I feel like I get more and more excited for these showdown slates every single week. I love the little game theory parts of it and getting to all these fringe players. So I'm pumped for tonight. There's a Millie tonight as well, is there? Isn't there? Yes, there is. And maybe all right, uh, it's me this time. Maybe one of us. Maybe one of you will win it tonight. We'll find out. You'll probably end up chopping it a bunch of different ways, but that's still, you know, the funny thing is when people go, uh, who wants to chop something like this, right? Well, if I chop a million between, like how many people would it take you chopping a million between to not be satisfied tonight? I would take a chop for a million with just about any number of entries. (laughs) Right, right. That's what I mean. Even if you, imagine you, you chopped a million by by uh, 20 people, still a phenomenal night, you know? For sure. And I mean, as long as you don't play, like don't max out your roster and play the chalkiest construction. If you're like being at least somewhat cognizant of your roster, your chop shouldn't be like over a hundred anyway. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, look, we're, we'll, we'll jump into all of it um, in a moment, but yeah, I had a, uh, I had a, a, the main slate, not so great. Afternoon slate, Matt, as we talked about earlier, I had a great afternoon slate, a really good afternoon slate. Thank you to Jeff Wilson uh, and Tyler Lockett. I came into it not even cashing at the 8 p.m. Uh, games, and I'm thinking, I got 0.5% owned Jeff Wilson here in, all, in these lineups, 
I'm not even cashing because just monster scores on those those 4 p.m. games, right? Like Tampa Bay and and uh, and and Vegas had a ton of scoring across the board. All of these games, Jacksonville and the Chargers. Which, by the way, Justin Herbert, you've got to be shitting me, man. Throw it. Those touchdowns went to what was it? Reed Guyton. Uh, Virgil Green and who Donald Parnum was that it? <laughs> Those are the four touchdowns. Dude, we talked about this like two or three weeks ago. How bad of a man Justin Herbert is! Like he doesn't care. You're on the field, he'll throw you the ball. Yep. He doesn't like. It seems like he prefers Keenan Allen a lot. And then you see these touchdowns, and you're just like, my goodness. I know. It kind of sucks because I had Hunter Henry in that up that finished uh, top ten in one of the single entry tournaments. So it could have could have made a difference, but. Going into that night slate, I'm like, man, this should be a lot better given my Wilson uh, exposure. But then Lockett, you want to talk about a bad, bad man. He has three touchdown games this season. He's such a stud. Uh, and then I had Kyler Murray with 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 uh, Kirk and Hopkins that just, you know, started putting in some work. I know you go to sleep early, so I'm assuming you didn't finish it, but that might have been the best game of the year, Matt. It was that good. No, I definitely fell asleep at halftime. Yeah, it was maybe the best game of the year. And Cliff Kingsbury deserved to lose that game for kicking 41-yarder on second down. Dude, he's been doing that for years, man. Well, not years, two years now. He just – one of the least aggressive coaches in the red zone to try to get his team in a position to actually win games, Cliff Kingsbury. My goodness, man. Unbelievable. Anyway, let's dive into it. Jordan, um, I'm being told in chat that the stream is lagging. So – I'm not necessarily sure what it is. I, the problem is, guys, sometimes it's on YouTube's end. Uh, is the, can you hear the audio? Like, is the audio okay or is it just video? Let us know. Because if it's just the audio, uh, if it's just the video, sorry, we're just going to keep cruising as we normally would. Because a lot of times it, it is on YouTube's end and there's really nothing we can do about it. So let us know about that. For now we'll dive into it. Matt, uh, this is a game tonight that I tell you, it, it, if it's high scoring, even in 2020's version of the NFL, I would actually be pretty surprised. The total opened at 47. It's down to 44 and a half. Bears are visiting the Rams, who are laying six points at home. But here's the thing, and I want to just get your overview here before we dive into each part of this game. The Rams are four and two. You want to know who they've beaten this season? They've beaten the Redskins, they've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the Eagles, and they've beaten the Giants. All four of their wins have come against the single worst division in the National Football League. Meanwhile, they got blown out by the Niners. The final score doesn't tell the tale. And they lost in a shootout to the Bills. On the other side, the Bears are 5-1 and one with an average margin of victory of four points. And they haven't exactly played a murderer's row of opponents either. So... I think this could end up being one of these games that's very ugly, uh, but it's tough to really know who has the, the the real advantage here. And I don't feel comfortable laying six points with the Rams team that hasn't beaten a single good football team this season. Yeah, neither do I. I try to get the under really early in the week on this game. And luckily it's moved in that direction. I think it's partially just poor offensive play, particularly on the bear side. Like Nick Foles has not actually been that much better than Mitch Trubisky. And then the defensive side of the ball is really the strength of both of these teams at this point. So I think, you know, aside from defensive play, just overall offensive inefficiency has been a big reason too, that the total is dropping so much, but you mentioned everything on the, the Rams lane six. I, I don't think that's a good line either. Yeah. So if I'm going, I, 
I don't have much faith in either of these teams, but one thing that I do think stands out here is the offensive line for the Bears could be an issue today uh, with Aaron Donald trying to take Nick Foles' head off. Uh, and on the other side, Khalil Mack questionable. I'm assuming he plays, but in the event that he does play and he's he's good to go, which he should, he's been questionable a lot this season. If you don't let the Rams set up that play action, which is where Jared Goff feels most comfortable, he gets very rattled. We've seen that. If you get him out of, if you get him in his head uh, and out of and out of the comfortability zone, you can pull, you can lay an absolute hurting on him. So it, I wouldn't be shocked if this ended up being one of those games where you saw a ton of defensive pressure uh, and, and maybe even a good amount of turnovers. I agree with you. Both of these teams on defense are built for pressuring the quarterback too. And luckily the Rams can get it from the interior with Aaron Donald. I mean, how good is that guy? And I, I do agree with you. I think Cleo Mack should play. He's been questionable almost every single game this year. I think this influences Jared Goff, maybe a little more than Foles. Like I don't expect a lot from Foles anyway, but Jared Goff has some of the starkest differences when pressured versus yes. a clean pocket too. So if the Bears can generate pressure on Goff, it could really disrupt their game plan. I think so too. I really do. And and, and that could be the biggest differentiator in this one. So uh, let's hop into it. Hey guys, hit that thumbs up uh, before we get started here. It is greatly appreciated. It helps us a lot to fight that YouTube algorithm and uh, it helps us get more eyeballs to the site the free content we're giving out, you know, we can do it a lot easier when we continue to get the support from all of you guys. By the way, Matt, I said every Super Chat we got for the last week, they're going up on the Iverson jersey. Well, we got a lot during the deeper dive yesterday. It's hard to see them, but permanent marker, Sharpie, man, they're on the jersey right now. Uh, so I'm a man of my word. I love it, dude. I had no idea you were doing that. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. The bigger ones get the bigger name because, you know, it is what it is. But it's pretty fun stuff. Build a community right on the back of the jersey. Uh, subscribe, too, if you haven't done so yet. Uh, hit that notification bell so you always know when new content's going to drop next. Chicago Bears. Let's go. Road team. Again, getting six points. I, I believe this line is going to move throughout the day. I do. But Nick Foles, as you mentioned, he doesn't get that rattled. But... He will make mistakes if, if, if given the opportunity to. And really, while he has been better an upgrade for Mitchell Trubisky, there's no denying that he is still sputtered in many spots this season. And he hasn't exactly faced the toughest teams. They beat Carolina. They beat Atlanta. They will give credit to, to, um, to Carolina. But uh, Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Sure, that's a pretty good win. They lost to Indy. What are we doing? Where do we start with Nick Foles and his weapons here tonight? I think with Nick Foles, I mean, so let's look at what the Bears are doing offensively. They're not exactly the fastest offense in the league. They're running 64.8 plays per game. That's 14th. They rank 17 in seconds per play. So they're about middle of the pack there. However, they're passing 64% of the time, and it's not because they're losing games. The Bears are 5-1, and one, so they have the fifth highest pass rate. I think we can assume the Bears are going to continue this approach, whether or not they're winning in this game. I know it's a tough matchup against a Rams secondary that's only allowing 5.9 yards per pass attempt. That's 31st or second best, depending on how you want to look at it. But that's still a lot of volume for Nick Foles. And I'm going to always bet on volume. Because of his inefficiencies, I don't love him in the captain slot. But I think he makes a strong utility play just based on volume alone. 
So what about, let's actually rewind for a second and start here. Where do you think in the event that the Bears offense is able to function, where do you think the production comes from? Do, do you see this being an instance where they struggle running or do they lean on the run given potentially the fact that the Rams pass defense has been a, a, a serious um, strength of theirs on defense? If you have to try and project project what we're going to see tonight, because you want to, to some extent, tell a story about these showdown slates and build your, construct your lineup uh, around that story. How do you see the bears moving the football? Yeah, so they are very strong against the pass. I, I still think the, this is the Rams we're talking about. The Bears, Ram, the Rams defense is very strong against the pass. I don't think the Bears are going to have much of a choice. If we look at the Rams defense, that's also pretty good too. They're only allowing 4.4 yards per attempt, 17th, but they get back Ashawn Robinson. He's a big interior defensive lineman, and his best skill is stopping the run. Then we get into projected game script. You and I don't love the line. I still think the Rams will win this game. Whether they win by you know a near touchdown, I don't believe so. But I do think the the Bears will be a negative game script having to throw the ball, which already aligns with their tendency. So I still think Nick Foles is going to have to throw the ball quite a bit today. What are your thoughts on Allen Robinson? You talk about volume. Uh, he's been a absolute volume hog this year. Going into week seven, he led the entire league in targets. He's been targeted uh, nine plus times in every game this season, Matt, which is pretty remarkable uh, since Nick Foles entered He's had 13, and that was obviously only half of the game against Atlanta, but 13 targets, 10 targets, 16 targets, and nine targets, soaking up volume no matter the flow of any game he's played. He's going to be um, he's going to be reasonably, relatively expensive, but I don't think Allen Robinson's price point is all that crazy. It's more a matter of when you talk volume, how much do you like him here in, re- in relation to the rest of this, this game? I like him quite a bit and it's, it has everything to do with volume and it's not like he's gone against poor corners. I'm sure people are going to bring up the Jalen Ramsey potential shadow and everything here, but he's also faced the Colts and the Buccaneers who are two of the better, better defenses in football in those games. He had target counts of 10 and 16. They just don't have anyone else that's on the same talent tier as Allen Robinson. So I still expect him to receive about 10 targets. And if the potential shadow matchup with Jalen Ramsey is going to depress his ownership in any way, I'm just going to take even more. Do you okay. think do you think the Jalen Ramsey matchup is a big factor here? Um on a one game slate, are you talking about a big factor as far as ownership goes or or how I look at this matchup? I guess both. I don't I, I don't feel like at this price point, I don't think it's really going to suppress his ownership. Uh and I'm pulling it up right now. We have Allen Robinson projected for the second highest ownership on the slate. Uh, second highest captain spot ownership on the slate on DraftKings. So, uh, no, I I think it's not going to play a a big role here. He's just getting too much volume. Again, going into week seven, nobody was targeted more times than Allen Robinson. That has to count for something, Matt, uh, particularly on a a night where you only have one game to choose from. I I think you're right. And – do you like him in the captain slot, I guess, is the main question here. Like, is it enough to downgrade him where you're you're considering more of just a strong utility play? Would you rather, you know, we'll talk about the Rams receivers a little bit later, but they're not quite as expensive. Would you rather just make that move, even though the volume is not as good? I think those are questions worth asking, but I still think Robinson's a stronger captain play than someone like, I don't know, Nick Foles. 
here's why I do have interest in him, a lot of interest, as a matter of fact, in him at the captain spot. If this, and I think there's a very good chance it will be a low-scoring game. Vegas has it with a 44.5-point total. Uh, that, again, has dropped 2.5 points since the Open. These teams are, I think, a little bit overrated offensively when pressure gets to them. It's going to be an issue. It could be a huge issue. And if that's the case, and you're just, let's assume it's a low-scoring game, and assume you're not putting a defense in your captain spot, which as crazy as it sounds, I think could probably win tournaments tonight, but it's still not optimal. Wouldn't you want the guy that's pretty much guaranteed to get the volume? So if he finishes with seven for 80 and a score, or even seven for 60 and a score, that could still easily be the highest scoring player on the slate. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he deserves some captain ownership here. And it's all because of the volume. And I, I agree with you that I also think this is, is going, this is going to be a low-scoring game. In that event, I certainly think the quarterbacks should not be captained. Yeah, and that well, – okay, let, let's talk about that for a second. If, it do, if the game does end up going crazy, and it's, who the hell knows anymore, right? Um, then it's a spot where you're definitely looking to get that. But your, your initial take right now that – you don't really have a lot of interest in quarterbacks in the captain spot. Obviously not talking about if you're running 150 lineups, but right. you're playing one or, or three lineups just from, you know, a preferred perspective here that suggests that you really do think this game uh, has a pretty high likelihood of, of having not a lot of points. Yeah, I do think that. I also think just with the way if we're talking DraftKings specifically, the way their bonuses are structured and we haven't talked about the Rams yet, but one thing that's interesting about this particular slate is how concentrated both of these offenses are. Outside of Allen Robinson, like Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller, Jimmy Graham receive a few targets, nothing near what Allen Robinson receives. David Montgomery is going to, we'll get to him later too, but he receives almost all of the work in the backfields. I think in this particular game and specifically on the bear side with the concentration between Montgomery and Robinson, it's just unlikely that Nick Foles can surpass them unless they absolutely shoot out. Right. So if you're worried about shadow coverage against a very, very good corner in Jalen Ramsey, maybe it's a spot you want to get away from. But uh, I, I still think that, that volume reigns supreme here. And as good as Ramsey is, Allen Robinson's also one of the best receivers in the league. So you know, someone's going to win out here. And as crazy as it sounds, Nick Foles can throw some good balls from time to time. What are you doing outside of Allen Robinson uh, at the pass catching position uh, positions like, you know, Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller. It, it does get kind of ugly here. We can talk about Jimmy Graham as well. Uh, Jimmy Graham on the season has caught four touchdowns in six games, which, you know, on a slate like this or in a game like this, uh, could could have some pretty big implications. Where are you? Oh, and by the way, he's been targeted uh, pretty pretty frequently with with Nick Foles at the helm, which is something that we didn't see as much of with Mitch Trubisky in there. Neither of these teams really rotate their personnel whatsoever. I, there's the Bears in in particular are starting to rotate a little bit more at tight end. But Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, last week they both ran around on seventy eight percent of dropbacks. They're complete full time players. And there isn't really a lot of other action going to other receivers. It's literally Robinson, Mooney, Miller on the field. That's the three receiver set. 
they don't really mess with it. The tight end room, Jimmy Graham, he ran a run on 73% of dropbacks last week. That's dropping a little bit. Their second round tight end, Cole Komet out of Notre Dame, he's starting to see more work. Now, it's not enough to really consider Cole Komet by himself, especially his price is a little bit surprising to me. I mean, he's not egregiously priced, but if you captain him, he's 2,700, and he only has three targets in the last four games, which is a little bit egregious to me. The only worry I have with Jimmy Graham is that maybe he sees a little bit more work to Komet as the season wears on, and we do not have that concern with Anthony Miller and Darnell Moody. Okay, so outside of Robinson, who are your top options here? Assuming you do want to... Uh, captain Nick Falls, or you do want to maybe stack pass catchers with with the Bears? I don't think there's a huge difference between Mooney and Miller. They both ran the same amount of routes last week. Mooney does have slightly more targets. The main difference, I think, is how they're used. Mooney is a 4-3 speed guy out of Tulane. He's a late-run draft pick for them, but he plays that same role as Ted Ginn, where he's being used downfield. It's more conducive to big plays. They haven't been able to connect on any of them. I don't know if you've seen any Bears games recently, but Mooney's been... Mooney's been egregiously open on some of these plays and Foles has not been able to deliver him the ball. Anthony Miller is going to be more of your slot underneath guy giving you, I don't know, these high percentage catches, but not as many big plays unless he's able to bust one. You know, it's pretty crazy. If you look at our, we have a really cool tool on Osimo. Uh, It's the top showdown plays for DraftKings and Fandle. And I think it probably is misleading to some people because they think it's just like rankings but it's not. It gives you the percentage chance that they're going to be the top score on the day, uh, that they're going to be between two and six, because obviously you're playing two, you're playing six players uh, and a bunch of other stuff like salary weighted top percentage, check the top percentile. So I check this out. Uh, I think it's really helpful, especially whether you're hand building or you're playing 150 we have Alex Baker, Osimo himself, number one ranked player in the world, who builds these tools. Use that promo code PUMPKIN, by the way, while I'm on the subject. For $10.31, you get it, October 31st, Halloween, good stuff, right? Uh, $10.31, you get an Osimo Platinum NFL Weekly Pass. Osimo Plus Platinum, all of our NFL content, from all of the showdown tools, uh, the from all of our main site stuff, ownership projections, player projections, the top stack tool, which is my personal favorite, uh, the lineup builder, all of the articles that these guys put a ton of time into, an incredible amount of research, everything on the site for NFL, $10.31. So if you were skeptical, you didn't want to pay the full price on it, you weren't sure, you've been burned by other sites in the past, uh, I can assure you that won't happen with us. But also, there's no better time to try it than now. 1031, use the promo code PUMPKIN at checkout and, and, and see for yourself. I think you guys will love it. Uh, it's good through 1031, through Halloween. And uh, join the family, man. Come and join the community at Awesome Out. And remember to join the Slack chat, too. If you do decide to sign up using that promo code PUMPKIN, get the uh, the Platinum Weekly Pass for $10.31. Use um, use everything you can, right? Use all of the things that come with this. And one of those is the premium Slack chat where you've got everybody talking DFS, sports betting, uh, fantasy, you name it, around the clock. So it's an awesome community. Come join us. Remember, pumpkin at checkout, good till uh, the 31st of October. So what I was saying before I got caught up in that, in that, uh, in that read there, Matt, is David Montgomery, 
has, according to this tool, a 30- It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 3.9% chance of being the top scorer tonight. That is the highest on the slate by a considerable margin. As a matter of fact, Allen Robinson is second at 15.6. So that's, that's, that's pretty crazy. That that says a lot about David Montgomery uh, at this price point as well. What are you doing with him? I like David Montgomery a lot. You and I have talked. I feel like every single time there's a showdown slate, how crazy game script has been. And you and I also already mentioned you specifically that we think this line is a little high. Do you think it's crazy the Bears get out from ahead and Davian Montgomery can just use his literally like 95% opportunity share into being the top scorer? Um, yeah, I, I do. And the biggest reason for that is with no Tariq Cohen, things have changed. Uh, let me, I mean, what was, what was Cohen's, what was the last game Cohen played, Matt? Do you remember here? Let me, t- I'll, I'll tell you right now. The last game he played was, Week three against Atlanta. Okay. So David Montgomery, uh, since week three. Okay, so week four, six targets. Week five, eight targets. Week six, five targets. uh, In which all of those games were pretty competitive throughout. They never really lagged behind too far. He didn't have more than three targets in any of the first three weeks with Terry Cohen out there. So, um, yeah, given that he's seen 19 targets over his last three games and – it's very likely that in a, in a positive game script, he sees, you know, 18, 19 carries like he did against Carolina. I think he can parlay those opportunities into being the top scorer for sure. Uh, and at 8,400, I think he stands out even more because he is the sixth highest priced player on this entire slate. Yeah. And he's drawing less ownership than Goff, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods. Yep. And you, you mentioned it. He literally never leaves the field. Like last week, this dude was on the field for 96% of their run plays, 73% of their dropbacks. He's like Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey level workload. He's obviously not those players as far as talent goes, but the volume is going to be there. And you talked about the targets. I like that a lot. And it really makes some game script independent. So even if you think the Rams get up in this game, David Montgomery, like he's had games where he's seen seven targets this year. Not many running backs are seeing that kind of volume in the past game. I'm, I'm with you. Um, David Montgomery's run 95 routes over the last three weeks. 95 routes over the last three weeks. That's not bad. That's north of 30 per game. Uh, Through the first three weeks, he ran 48. So he is quite literally running double the amount of routes since Terry Cohen went down than he was before that. And I remember you and I talking about it. Like, do we think that he's going to soak up all of that volume that Cohen is leaving behind? And it was, there was a lot of uncertainty there. I, I think we're beginning to learn now, Matt, that, that yeah, David Montgomery is becoming the do it all back uh, that is going to be used in pretty much all phases and all downs. I think so too. And it's kind of surprising to see his price. And then he's not cheap, but comparatively to some of the other studs on the slate, I think he is. 
and then his ownership not come in egregiously high. All right, so final thoughts on the Bears before we move this over to the Rams. Uh, top options, places you might get away from, and do you like their defense? We had a question in chat. Uh, would you guys be opposed to playing two defenses in the same lineup? I'll tell you the truth. Uh, in, in all of my lineups, certainly not. But if, if I'm playing, you know, 10 lineups, if I had two that had both defenses, I don't think that's crazy. If I'm playing a three max and I had one with 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 both defenses, I don't think that's uh, an insane approach today. And uh, very rarely am I okay with something like that. So uh, you round out the Bears here. We'll move over to the Rams. Yeah, I do agree with you on the defensive take. It's not typically something I do unless I'm running 150 and it's a small percentage of lineups. More viable on low-scoring slates. I think your best places to target with the Bears are just exactly where the volume is going. It's weird. I mean, it's not – we've talked about the Saints a lot on this slate and teams that rotate wide receivers, running backs. We just flat out don't have this. It's David Montgomery. It's Allen Robinson. And if you're being a little contrarian, it's going to be Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney. There's really no one else on the field. Okay. On the Rams side – and guys, if you're sports bettors or even looking to play just DFS and you like to get as much information as you can, uh, Odd Shopper is our site here, an awesome site that is incredible. And there are so many different things you can do. So I'm not going to get into a whole big spiel. It's a short show, but just check it out at awesomeo.com. You can click on Odd Shopper at the top or go to oddshopper.awesomeo.com. It's really awesome. It's entirely free. Uh, and you can click game matchups on all of these games and get their their records against the spread, the total, uh, money line. You can get the you can see what the public betting trends are on the spread, on the total, all of the previous stats, all of the injuries, literally everything you need to make educated decisions as far as betting goes. And you have watch lists. You can get alerts when the lines move the way you want. Uh, bet tracker. You can track all your bets. And if you want to get player props, instead of scrolling through everything, you can just simply type a player's name in and boom, the props pop right up. So uh, play around with it. It's totally free. There's so much you can do on there uh, at no cost. And it's super helpful for betting and for DFS research as well. So with the ramp side of the ball, Matt, Jared Goff, we talked about this at the top of the show. There's no doubt that you can get him, you can get him off of his game. You can shake him from his base, right? From his foundation. And when that happens, the Rams usually get themselves into some serious trouble because while Jared Goff is serviceable, he's not someone that you rely on to make plays, right? Like he's he's not someone that can really improvise like other quarterbacks. As much as I talk shit on Carson Wentz. The man can improvise, right? Aaron Rodgers can improvise. Even a lot of lesser talented quarterbacks that might not be great can still find ways to improvise when a play breaks down or when they get pushed out of the pocket. That's not something I have a lot of faith in Jared Goff to do. And if Khalil Mack is coming at you like a freight train and they're bringing heat, which they can do on that defensive line, this is one where I could see get a little bit dicey for Jared Goff in the offense, but it doesn't mean we can't be targeting the offense here because it's only one game and this is one side of one game. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons I think you can get away from Goff. I still think he's a pretty good play in the utility spot again. Not only just the pressure, he's terrible under pressure. He doesn't give you anything with his legs. Like last Thursday, we were talking a little bit about Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones and you and I are both like, well, we don't love Daniel Jones, but he's still in play because he's he's got this rushing equity. Jared Goff certainly does not have that. Not to mention the Rams' overall game philosophy. They're just trying to run the ball. They're 29th in pass rate. 29th in pass rate? Yeah, so they're the fourth heaviest run team. 
Okay. So how does that factor into all of your decision-making here then for the Rams? And what do you do with the backfield as well? Yeah. So for the Rams, I think it lends itself more to playing some of the backfield. And I think if you're playing some of the pass game here, I'm more likely, you know, we're talking captain slot. I'm more likely to take one of the pass catchers than Goff himself because of the run heavy approach. Uh, you know, I think it's far more likely that uh, we'll use Cooper Cup for an example. Cooper Cup hits the 100-yard bonus than Jared Goff hitting the 300-yard bonus. So maybe Cup individually has a great game, but Jared Goff passes for, I don't know, 200, 250 yards, doesn't quite get you there in the captain slot, but still could be viable in the utility position. As far as the runners go, it really seems like Daryl Henderson has separated himself. There's still some concerns with this being somewhat of a timeshare, but Henderson does have touch counts of 18 and 14 in his two, two most recent games. He's been on the field for 89% of the run plays, running around on 29%. So it's not quite David Montgomery level workloads, which is why I still prefer Montgomery. But there's a lot of upside with Henderson too. Okay. Do you think this this could be a this could play a pretty pivotal role in what we see tonight, Matt? Do you think Cam Akers has an opportunity or the ability to get volume here, knowing that Sean McVay last week? said we're going to get him more involved, a bunch of useless coach speak as we've seen so many times in the past, uh, and then he ends up not playing at all. But at $1,000, can you make an argument here that he frees up a lot and with how erratic Sean McVay has been with his backfield decisions, maybe Cam Akers is involved? I think you can take a contrarian approach and try to throw some Cam Akers into your lineups. It's not like Malcolm Brown has been good. Malcolm Brown has been playing over Cam Akers. I'm not sure why. They spent a second rounder on Cam Akers. Malcolm Brown has kind of been a vanilla runner for them since he's been on the team. But Malcolm Brown, he still had touch counts of nine and five in the two most recent games. That's five touches to Cam Akers, zero in their most recent contest. So there's something to be said for that. Sean McVay has preferred him over Cam Akers throughout the duration of this season, even going back to the early weeks. Malcolm Brown was the lead runner over Akers. So I don't know. I, I don't think we can just ignore that. Maybe with erratic as McVeigh has been, the flip the game script flips here a little bit and they put acres in instead of Brown due to inefficiency, but that's not something I'm willing to bank on. Okay. I'm I'm willing to get to some acres here. I, I really am on a, on a site like this, weird things happen. I mean, yesterday we, we talked about this. Jeff Wilson, granted, it was it was a five-game slate or a four-game slate, depending on what site you were playing. Jeff Wilson and uh Jamichael Hasty, both of those guys were sub one percent and while it was Jeff Williams that put up the numbers with the huge three touchdown performance, Hasty was actually very efficient. Both of those guys moved the ball a lot. Uh, not to say that that plays necessarily into what we're doing tonight, Matt, but more so just it's 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 really difficult to to predict what we're going to see in this backfield. And Cam Akers had nine carries against Washington um, for 61 yards. He was the most efficient back in that game. We've seen times where people, was it like week three, where Henderson was very popular, ended up being a huge disappointment. Malcolm Brown in week one against the Cowboys uh, had the really big game and then, you know, fell off thereafter. It's just very difficult to say. And and if that's the case, I'm willing to take shots on the unknown uh, at a position like that because at other positions in this game, uh, on this team, there's a little bit more of, of concrete knowledge on, on what direction they're going to take. But as far as Cam Akers goes, like you said, maybe Henderson, who's coming, who was coming into this game with a questionable tag, I think he's fine now. Um, yeah, he has no injury designation anymore. Should be good to go. But 
Yeah, it's just it's hard to break this backfield down is the biggest thing. Yeah, you should, in your large field tournaments, high-risk contests, targeting uncertainty is always going to be beneficial to you in the long run, and Cam Akers provides a lot of that. You mentioned he had nine touches. That largely happened when the Rams were, were blowing out that Washington team, but who's to say they don't blow out the Rams here, and he gets in a little bit extra work when a guy like Daryl Henderson, who entered the week banged up, can come off the field and rehab a little bit more. He doesn't just outperform Malcolm Brown. We noticed he was really efficient on those nine touches, kind of baffling. He got zero the next week, but Malcolm Brown has not been efficient really the entire year. So how do we know he just doesn't work ahead of him? All that is in the realm of possibility. And at his price, he's certainly worth a consideration. So last thing I'll ask you on this, just based on ownership, Henderson, 36% projected ownership, 7% in the captain spot. Um, Man, you got to come down really far. Malcolm Brown, 15% uh, ownership, utility, 0.6 in the captain spot. And Cam Akers, 8% and 0% in the captain spot. So uh, it's just one of those spots where if things don't go according to plan and you did pick the right guy down there, it could put you at the top of tournaments. It's just a big risk to take. I have a question for you about roster construction. You hit on something here that I want to unpack a little bit. It's just the uncertain positions with these teams that we've been able. I think if you've been taking a contrarian approach and showdown and taking some like leverage spots on teams that run rotations, you can really benefit. But here with the Rams, the only spot they're really sharing time is the running back position They're I guess they're running a 50, 50 time shirt at the, at the, the tight end spot, but the bears are really concentrated. The Rams are really concentrated. Do you think there's going to be a lot of duplicated lineups because of that, which maybe could lead us to a little more leverage by targeting a guy like acres Yes, absolutely. There's no question. And that's the whole reason I think we're talking about it right now, right? Like Robert Woods averages 90 plus percent of snaps played every game. Cooper Cup plays around 90% of offensive snaps per game. Uh, And you've got guys like Reynolds and who knows if maybe Van Jefferson gets a target here or there, but they're not really used all that frequently. And uh, at the tight end position, you're right. So much of these offenses are are heavily concentrated except for running back. Like I'll give you an example. Uh, week, week, uh, seven or week six, 45% snaps for Brown, 53 for Henderson, only 2% for acres. Acres played almost 20% the week before. Sure. It was in a blowout situation, but who knows what, who knows what the situation is going to be here where Brown only played 38% and Henderson played 43. The week before that, 61% for Brown, 39% for Henderson. It it has been a little bit less predictable. Uh, And and maybe, I don't know, Matt, maybe you don't have to be even that different. Maybe instead of going to Henderson, you can go to the, the, you can go to, to, um, you can go to Malcolm Brown, who is going to be considerably less owned than him, like a lot less ownership. But I have a feeling that the ground game for the Rams could be a deciding factor in, in a lot of tournament lineups tonight. And I think both of us are saying that we just don't know what to do with it. I think so, too. I mean, I just don't see that many viable roster combinations. You look to the Bears on the other side, they have no rotations anywhere. Right. And we, we thought maybe Cole Komet factors in more. They haven't been really rotating him whatsoever. That's all speculation. He's only played on 20% of snaps. Jimmy Graham is still an 80% snap guy in that Bears offense. They're not rotating anything. There's no leverage you can gain with these timeshares. They don't have it. This is really, I think, the only spot where we see one is this Rams running back. You're absolutely right. Tyler Higby, meanwhile, um, 
what a disappointing season from him, man. I outside of that one game against the Philadelphia Eagles where he scored three touchdowns, um, he's he's done nothing. He doesn't have a double-digit DraftKings point game. He's been targeted four or fewer times in every game but that one against Philadelphia. He's clearly a talented tight end, a great pass-catching tight end. He proved over a five-game stretch towards the end of the season last year that he can rip off big plays, he can give you 100-yard games, and he can find the end zone. No tight end was targeted more in the red zone than Higby last year, which is amazing considering almost every single one of his red zone targets came in the final six games of the season. But he just hasn't been used all that frequently. And Cooper Cup, I want to kind of close out the show. I just want you to, to give us everything on these pass catchers, Matt, because Cooper Cup, while the, the, the targets have been there, the production in, in, in a lot of games simply hasn't. He's had one really, really good game. Aside from that, he's left a lot of us wanting more. So why is it, do you think, that this passing game has been, to some extent, stagnant? And how do we approach it tonight? I think part of the reason it's stagnant is because they've had such success with the rush game. So they're 4-2 basically running the ball at the fourth highest rate in the NFL. That's still pretty good, even though they haven't played anybody. That makes the target shares for these pass catchers really fragile. So when you see Robert Woods in Cooper Cup with target shares north of 22%, 24.5% for Cup, you know, like sometimes that six targets in a game because they're running so much. So it still leaves Cooper Cup with a lot of fragility in his target projection. He might see 25% of the targets, but that might be seven targets. And if he catches four of them, he's going to need a big play to get you there. Ultimately, with how crazy game script has been, I think we can still go to Cup and Woods. And he probably even in the captain slot because of the low scoring nature of this game, which we've hit on a couple times. Just think it's likelier that one of them ends up over Goff there. As far as the third wide receiver goes, one of the trends, and you know, it even concentrates this offense more. Josh Reynolds has pulled away from Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson played three snaps last week. Three snaps. Like he, J- Josh Reynolds is on the field nearly every play. And if we get Tyler Higby missing this game, I think he does play for what it's worth. But for if Higby misses, Josh Reynolds, I think, is going to be like a hundred percent snap share guy. What about Gerald Everett coming in at? Uh... It's 4,800 compared to Higby's 62. Kind of sucks because Higby, you would think, would be, you'd think Gerald Everett would give you more of a discount, but he kind of doesn't. I thought that too. I was really interested to see their prices. I like Everett. He's not playing quite as many snaps as Higby, but that's because Higby's a better blocker. They're running nearly identical routes, and their target shares have converged in recent weeks as well. If you just look at the last two games, Everett's actually out targeted Higby eight to six. We don't love that. I mean, I wish all those targets were going to one tight end. It would make one of them more viable, I think. But it's a single game slate. I think you have to look to one of them. I like Everett a little bit more based on price, and he's playing essentially the same role in the pass game. Again, Higby's more of the blocker, and Higby's banged up. So that'd be where I lean. Okay. I think we've uh, I think we've touched on almost everything, Matt. I think so, too. Unless there's I- yeah anything else you want to get to here. Uh, One thing I'll point out real quick is that uh, the red zone targets this year, man, it is so ugly for this Rams team. Tyler Higby has three red zone targets on the season. I mean, can that be right? Yeah, he has three touchdowns too. Right, but I'm pretty sure one of them was north of 20 yards. I think one of them was was not in the red zone. Higby's only run a route on 50% of dropbacks. He's not playing a lot. No, he's not. He's on the field. He's just not getting a lot of opportunities. 
Your final thoughts here, if you want to talk kickers, if you want to expand on defense, the floor is yours, whatever you want. Okay, so I think both defenses are viable, like we mentioned. And I think in really contrarian bills, you can't play both due to the low-scoring nature of this, this slate. I think the biggest thing to think about is overall ownership. We have two really concentrated offense, which is going to lead to a lot of duplication in lineups. How are you going to get different from this? Maybe it's playing a, a Josh Reynolds in your captain slot. Maybe that's the way you get different this week. Maybe you leave a lot of salary on the table because we're not really seeing these minimum price guys playing 25, 30% of the snaps and receiving targets. Both teams are super concentrated. So you're going to have to find different ways to get different. I kind of like taking a, an approach where maybe it's a Darnell Mooney. Maybe it's a Josh Reynolds you throw in your captain slot. And that way you have duplicated players, but you have a different captain, which maybe could get you, I don't know, less chops or a solo ship. Okay. And uh, I'll close it with this. There's, A 19.25 implied total for the Bears, 25.25 for the Rams. I personally think the Rams are getting a little bit too much love here. They've beat all four of the games they've won have been against NFC East opponents. That says a lot. Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants. Look at the state of affairs between those four teams. Rams are not a bad football team, right? Great pass defense. There's things they can do. And of course, Aaron Donald is an X factor defensively. But I think this could be a very low scoring affair. And that, you know, is going to push me towards having generally more interest in the defenses than I normally would. And while I don't have an issue with the kickers, it definitely feels like it can be tough to win with kickers because uh, nine points or say 10 points on two 30 plus yarders and a 40 yarder. It's still not that tough for skill players to do that where the opportunity are few and far between for kickers. So more love for the uh, def- defenses than I do for the kickers. Uh, and I think we've covered it all, man. That's a, it's a pretty comprehensive job we just did there. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I Anytime we get a chance to play Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, <laughs> dude, I get so excited for these single-game slates. I absolutely love them. Well, hey, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us, as always. Hopefully you had a great weekend, and we can keep that going today. Coming up next at 11 Eastern, you got Adam Share, Josh Ingleman, and myself, the Monday Morning Quarterback Show, breaking everything down, everything down from Week 7, Uh, looking forward to week eight, how we can use that information. We're going to take a look at Fantasy Cruncher lineup study, go through all the winning lineups, a couple monster awesomeo winners, actually, matter of fact, two millionaire maker winners with awesomeo yesterday, uh, subscribers, as a matter of fact. So hang tight for that. Matt will be back with Kyle Dvorak, the waiver wire show coming up later today. Just so much on the channel. Don't go anywhere. Hit that thumbs up before you go. And we'll see you back here next time on the Monday Night Football Showdown Strategy Show. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.